Thank you, Pastor Paul. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 4 through 7. And I was glad that Paul made us sit down when he wasn't supposed to because I'm the one who has a habit of doing that all the time. Or making us stand when I shouldn't. So let's give it a shot. Let's all stand together. I'm going to read from Galatians 4, beginning at verse 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Our Father in heaven, guide us in the preaching of your word so that the gospel of Jesus Christ might exalt you and who you are. May we be blessed by your presence, and may all that you have set on our plates for today be a glory to you, and may they be good for us. So increase our faith, give us hearts that are open and ears that are ready to listen to the Lord our God and his gracious word, and we pray this in his name, amen. You may be seated. Children, you have fallen off your bike and hurt yourself. What is the first thing that you do? The Friesen children happen to have this thing called a rip strip that they ride. Well, to me, it's a high-tech skateboard. Uh, I'm wanting to call it a bacon strip all the time. Anyway, it's incredible, the variety of skateboards that there are when you get on the internet. Electric skateboards, it's just crazy. Surfing skateboards. Anyway, I don't know how the Friesens ride these things. Um, I don't think they ever fall off, but if one of them did fall off and really, really, really hurt themselves, what do you think that they would immediately do? Or children... Have you ever accidentally hit your head on the table? Of course you have. You're a kid. When I was a kid your age, I can remember having so much fun and so much energy and not thinking about the fact that I would come up too quickly and hit my head on the table, and there it was. Ouch. That hurts. I did that more than once as a kid, more than twice. I don't know how many times I did it. And it hurt. It made me mad, too, because I didn't have anybody else to blame but myself. But what do you think I did first after hitting my head? Well, of course, I immediately grabbed my head where I had hurt it because it hurt, and my hand immediately went up to my head, and I groaned, and maybe I shed a few tears. 
But that's not what I'm talking about. What was the first main thing that I did? Don't you think that the first main thing I did was to run to mom or dad? Or at least to call to them in order to get their sympathy and help? And I needed both those things. Sympathy and help. Yes, that's exactly what I did as a child when I got hurt or when I got my feelings hurt big time. Mom, Dad, I need you. And I would run to them. Now Aaron, along with his brother Caden, has parents who will love him, nurture him, Discipline him, love him unconditionally, and listen, be there for him when he is hurting. Be there for them when he calls to them, when he is experiencing difficulty, when he needs help, when the tears are flowing for Aaron. By adoption, it's Aaron Thornton now, joining hands with his brother, Caden. We read in chapter 12 of our confession about Christian adoption because we want Aaron's recent adoption and his covenant baptism today to springboard us all into the truth of God's word. And what it teaches us about God's adoption of his children of faith. So you may have your Bibles turned there already. If not, turn to Galatians chapter 4. And as you are turning to Galatians chapter 4, let me say uh, this, that you might have noticed when we read chapter 12 of our confession What we were basically reading was a variety of scriptures from God's word that reflect upon the biblical truth of adoption. That's what our confession often does. It brings together a variety of scriptures that form an important, gracious truth that God wants us to know. And I'll say it this way, that God really, wants us to know about. So as we read our confession in chapter 12, we were reading God-inspired adoption truth found in Galatians 4, 1 John chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 1, and so on. So this morning, what I want to do is highlight some of the biblical truth we find in chapter 12 of our confession in order to better understand and be blessed by the truth and wonder of Christian adoption. Well, the first thing I want to highlight is the truth that everyone who is justified is made a partaker of adoption. Well, this is the first thing that our confession points out. And Galatians chapter 4 is just one place in Scripture that supports this. 
if a sinner is justified in God's sight, then he is also adopted by God. It's impossible to be justified and not adopted into God's family. And it is impossible to be adopted and not be justified. That is, it's impossible to be uh, adopted and not be declared just in God's sight through faith alone, in Christ alone. Everyone who is justified is made a partaker in the grace of adoption. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Look at it with me. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Now that's the language of justification. Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. For what? Paul goes on. So that we might receive the adoption as sons. The Apostle Paul alludes first to the truth of justification in these verses because it is the central teaching of justification in God's word that explains how sinners can escape God's just wrath for all eternity in hell. Unless sinners have a proper understanding of how they are made right with God through faith alone, in Christ alone, they will inevitably struggle with their assurance of God's love and it will handicap them in their Christian growth. It was God who sent his son to do the work of justification on behalf of sinners. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And you know what her name is, Mary. You know where he was born, in Bethlehem. And then Paul shows us at the end of verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5, the nuts and bolts of our justification. Christ, Paul says, was born under the law. Why was he born under the law? Well, he was born under the law in order to rescue lawbreakers by representing them in his perfect obedience to the law. Nothing less than perfect obedience is required by God's law for heaven. And so nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness will do, right? And so on Christ, the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You and I have not only failed in reaching the perfect standard of God's law, we have daily broken God's law over and over and over and over again. And the blessed doctrine of justification is the Son being sent by God to live under God's law 
in order to rescue us with his perfect obedience to God's law on our behalf. So he was born under the law to redeem those who were under it and justly condemned by it because of their sin. Children, do you realize that you have broken God's good law that is in the Bible? Do you realize that you are a lawbreaker? For example, you have disobeyed your parents, haven't you? Did you realize that when you disobeyed your parents, you were disobeying God and you were disobeying the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments and that, as far as a holy God is concerned, has the just, just punishment of hell forever. So this is not to be taken lightly, is it? Your soul hangs in the balance, children. So listen to the good news that God has for sinful lawbreakers. Listen to what God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done to make you right with God and to justify you. It's called the grand transfer. Your sin is transferred to Christ and credited to him. And Christ's righteousness is transferred to you and credited to you. When Jesus obediently went to the cross, all of your sinful law-breaking, and I mean all of it, all of it, past, present, and even your future sin and law-breaking, all of it was placed on Jesus as if it were his sin, and he was punished in your place. Jesus never personally sinned, not one time, but your sin was credited to him when he was on the cross. Your sin was counted as if it was his sin. It's an accounting term. Jesus was personally righteous, but your sin was credited to him and he paid the full punishment for your sin by being put to death for it. You're disobedient to parents. Your lustful thoughts. Your, your theft and, and thievery is more than going into a store and taking something. Just to withhold good from a neighbor is stealing from them. Your covetousness. You see, compared to a holy God, it can blow our minds when we consider the degree of our sin. That's why the punishment for Christ was death. And when he died, he satisfied God's holy justice due to your sin on your behalf in his death. Well, Philip Bliss understood this when he wrote that great song, Man of Sorrows. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. 
But it's right at this point that someone who really knows their Bible will stand up and say, you know, that's good. That's fantastic. I am really grateful about that, but that's not good enough. And he would be right. Because our sin being transferred to Jesus and dealt with on the cross is only part of our justification. Remember, it's a double transfer. Your sin to Christ and Christ's righteousness to you. Through faith alone, in Christ alone, Christ's righteousness is credited to you when you believe. It's credited to the account of your life. It's an accounting concept. We learned in Romans 4 where the Apostle Paul reflects all the way back to Genesis 15 and says, Abraham will tell you how to get saved. He believed God and it was counted as righteousness. Abraham wasn't righteous, but he was counted. A sinner was counted as righteous through faith in the coming Redeemer as we look back on faith and are saved and are counted as righteous. You're still going to struggle with sin daily. You're still a sinner. But God justifies you and through faith in what his son has done in whom he is well pleased, he declares you to be righteous. And in a picture, he sees you as clothed in the righteousness of his son. Now, for a sinner to get hold of that and really grab hold of that double transfer it, it has to change our lives. That's the biblical truth of justification. And it's received through the empty hand of faith alone. In Christ alone. That's the truth of, the, of, of what the Bible teaches that is so central to our salvation on sin, our sin to Christ on the cross and his righteousness to us when we believe. That's it. That's the double transfer. That's the doctrine, the blessed doctrine of justification. But it's right at that point. Someone who really, really knows their Bible well will stand up and they'll say, I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to come across as unappreciative either because I love that. Oh, how I love that. But that's not good enough. And he would be right. Because the goal of our redemption is not just justification. It is not just to become right with God. It is not only that. The goal of our redemption is that we are adopted into God's family and become his true children. That is the goal of redemption. Picture yourself in a courtroom standing before the judge. Justification is like the judge saying, you are cleared of all charges and there is no double jeopardy. 
Now, adoption is like the judge saying, come and live with me. And I will be a father to you. And you will be a son, a daughter to me. You see, everyone who is justified is made a partaker in the grace of adoption. And that's what Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says, isn't it? But when the fullness of time had come, God set forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God declares as a righteous judge two things about his children of faith in Jesus Christ. He declares them through faith in his beloved son who did it all. He declares them just in his sight and he sees them through the righteousness of his son. That can't be somebody here saying that cannot be. And that, that's what keeps us so Catholic when we can't say that cannot be. Because we feel like, and it's always the human fallback, that we have to do something. We have to reach some level, some standard before God will accept us. No, he accepts us and justifies us through faith in his son because his son was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law and condemned by it. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, the second thing I want to highlight is the truth that God really is your heavenly father by adoption. In the development of redemptive history throughout the years in the Old Testament, the concept of adoption and sonship is very rare. It's very rare in the Old Testament. The seed for it is there, but it is only in the New Testament where we find our adopted status in its fullness. Old Testament saints were certainly saved the same way that we are, only theirs was a faith that looked forward to the promise of the coming Christ. But by God's design, when the promise of Christ turned into fulfillment, everything became enlarged and began to open up. Everything. The New Testament is always more inclusive than the old. Now, there is a greater degree of understanding of all the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. In this way, the new is always better than the old. It's never worse, ever. R.C. Sproul makes this point when he cites the apostolic astonishment in the words of the Apostle John. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. This is apostolic astonishment. 
This is something in the development of the, of the history of redemption that was very rare. Old Testament saints never addressed God as Father. But when the fulfillment came, everything was enlarged. What kind of love is this, the Apostle John says, that we should be called the children of God Well, Jesus is the natural son of God. Ontologically, he's the eternal son of God. And the rest of us who are in Christ through faith are the adopted children of God. Jesus is the unique, eternal, begotten son of God. And we are the adopted sons and daughters of God through faith in the eternal one. That truly does make us brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And in a very true sense and a biblical sense, Christ becomes our elder brother. Well, he's been around a little bit longer than we have, hasn't he? He's our elder brother. Yes, he's our king. He's our savior. But he's also our elder brother. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven. You see, an earthly judge legally declared Aaron and Caden to be Matthew and Laura's adopted sons. The righteous judge of the universe has legally declared his justified ones to be his adopted sons. It's a declaration that he makes. It doesn't change anything, this particular doctrine or justification, change anything within us. He declares us to be his adopted children and his justified ones. That's why in chapter 12 of our confession, the biblical benefits of adoption are listed. We receive his name, Jeremiah 14.9. He gives us fatherly care and compassion, Psalm 103, 13. Protects us, John 10, 10 and following. Provides for his children, Matthew 6, 30 and following. Disciplines us always lovingly and accomplishes that which he disciplines us for. We are, uh, John 10, 29, Hebrews 13, 5. We are sealed By the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30. We are guaranteed heirs of everlasting salvation. Romans 8.17. But I skipped over one particular benefit in our chapter 12 of our confession. Because I want to highlight a final truth. And that is we receive the spirit of adoption and are enabled to cry, Abba. Father. The cry of Abba Father is God's children crying out in difficulty, in trial, in in extreme angst. It's when you're in the pressure cooker, when you call this term of endearment, dear Heavenly Father, Father. Father, help me. 
That's what it is. He comes. He always hears. If you're struggling with your sin, as your pastor does, you call on him and you say, Father, I can't. This is like a giant in Canaan for me. But I commit myself unto you, Father. I know you love me. Because you love your son and I'm in him through faith. So this is a cry when, when a child of God is experiencing difficulty, when the tears are flowing. Children, you naturally call out to mom and dad when you get hurt. The more you grow and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you will call out to your heavenly father. And by faith, you will believe the Bible, that he hears you, that he is sympathetic, that he bottles all your tears, and that he really cares. I don't, I don't know what age are you anyway. Children, it doesn't matter what age you are. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone? Are you resting in him? Do you know that you have broken God's law? Do you know that? Then there is no escape except through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him. And as soon as you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of adoption is placed within you. And what he does over your lifetime is more and work more work family love into your heart. The Holy Spirit did not adopt you. The Father adopted you. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption within us, working family love in our hearts. And he delights to do that. He delights to work in families, too. Not just individuals, but households. Embracing households. But it's the Holy Spirit of adoption. If you've ever cried out, Father, help me. It's the Holy Spirit of adoption that has allowed you to do that And in that way, Romans teaches, the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are the children of God. The older you get, as a believer in Jesus Christ, the more you should cry out to your Heavenly Father when you're experiencing difficulty. We should really take a good lesson from our little kids, shouldn't we? Here they come again. What is it now? I'm hurting. So and so just took my truck away. But they don't hesitate to come, do they? When the tears flow, when life is hard, Abba, Father. You know, the only time in Scripture when this is Uh, used is in the Garden of Gethsemane. When our Savior was sweating drops of blood because he was facing his 
Father's holy and just wrath on the cross because of your sin, my sin, being transferred to the ledger of his life. He was in tremendous agony because he knew his father was going to be turning away from him. And was going to be pouring down upon him the full punishment he deserved. Jesus experienced hell on the cross. Because he bore our sins. Your sin. My sin. Remember his cry? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He obediently went to the cross and was separated from his father's blessing and smile so that his adopted children, you and I, will never be separated from his blessing and smile. And then your elder brother rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. And when he did, He took you with him. You're a victor in Christ Jesus. And just as Aaron and Caden can grow up secure knowing that they are Thorntons now by adoption, we too can rejoice that we are secure in our Heavenly Father's love. Because we have been adopted, we are now the sons and daughters of God. The Apostle John was astounded at this. I wonder if you are. And the provision that God has given to us in Christ and all the benefits. Remember this, that the goal of our redemption is not getting, just getting to heaven and being declared just by God at the judgment. He declares us that now, but there will be a judgment. And the goal of our redemption is our adoption. We are the children of God, his sons, his daughters. For when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Well, adults, can you take a lesson from the children today? Take a lesson from the children and through the preaching of God's word and the, and the powerful working of God's Holy Spirit amongst us today. Go to God more, your heavenly Father, for the sympathy and the help that you need. And children, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone, more and more as you grow up, you should continue to call on mom and dad that there becomes this mixture 
you're understanding what the Bible says, that God is your heavenly father too. And I wonder if that strikes a chord in your heart even now. We pray it does here at SGRC. What a wonderful thing adoption is. Let's pray. Our Father, we commit your voice, your teaching, and your truth unto our hearts, forgetting the messenger, for in the foolishness, the absolute foolishness of a sinner preaching, you have determined to make your truth known. Bless the gospel in our hearts. Bless our children. Bless little Aaron and his brother and the Thorntons. And may we all understand and meditate upon these wonderful things that are ours in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.